Hey guys, this is Behind the Price, the show where we keep talking, the show behind the show. I don't know. Uh, at some point I'll probably come up with a better tagline than that, but um, honestly this part is just um, every week I realize that I need more time to talk about stuff that I want to talk about and um, I don't want to make the main episodes really long. Already they're you know ranging between hopefully 20 to 45 minutes, which is, you know, normal for podcasts, but still, you know, a long time to listen to something. So um, this is uh, an opportunity for me to continue to expand upon uh, some deeper questions about the topic um, that we talked about in the main episode and um, also gives me a chance to share a little bit about my thought process behind the uh, the song that I wrote for this week and the poetry that I write for every week. So um, anyway, I'm glad that you decided to tune in and listen to this part as well. Um, for all intents and purposes, this will end up being um, kind of a more intimate, low-key, casual um, episode. You know, I hope to maybe uh, pull up questions that you guys end up asking me via Twitter or email or something, um, and we can discuss your questions, and um, it'll be a little bit more little bit more personal than uh, the main episodes end up being. But um, to start out this uh, very first episode of Behind the Price, I thought that I would uh, take some time to look over the lyrics for uh, the song that I wrote for this week, also called The Price of Life, um, and tell you a little bit about what I was thinking, what some of the deeper meaning behind the words are. I won't share everything. Um, part of the joy of art for me is um, having to discover on your own, do some digging and explore, you know, what artists are uh, trying to communicate. And uh, so I won't give you all the information, but um, I'll give you a good head start. So um, I guess I'll just start with um, the basic idea of what I wanted the song to be about. Um, every week or every episode of The Price of Life, I hope to include a song that is very closely tied to the topic. Um, the first episode of Price of Life is about me. It's about an introduction about who I am and what the podcast is about. So I thought that I would write a song um, chronicling uh, basically who I am at this point in time in my life, um, what I've been through. But um, as I started to think about what would make, how could I communicate who I am in just a few words uh, I realized that um, the best way to do that would be um, to explain to you what what has happened to me, but perhaps more importantly, what I think about what's happened to me. I thought um, the way that we process what happens to us seems to be more important than what actually happens to us. Um, how we react is more critical uh, to defining who we are than what happens to us because... Anything can happen to anybody, but um, we all react in different ways. So um, so basically, the song is me kind of putting together um, a few of what I believe to be the most, um, the most poignant turning points in my life or some of the events that happened to me that were big, you know, for lack of better words. Um, and then uh, I would put that into kind of a, a poetic snapshot. And then at the very end of the song, I would go through all of those snapshots and, um, 
and kind of give just a few words on what they taught me or what I think about them. Um, so if you, if you dissect the form of this song, you'll hopefully see that um, there are seven main verses, so to speak. There's no real chorus, no hook or anything. It's just, it's just one long rhapsody, uh, if you will, of uh, a journey. And, um, and uh, so there's six, six verses chronicling uh, events that happen to me or specific moments of time in my life. And then the last verse, verse seven, is compiling all those into a short um, response, basically what I think about them, how they've affected me. Um, so I won't go through every one of the verses, every one of the events for this episode, but I will go through some of the ones that I think probably um, will need a little bit of background information before you can properly decipher what's happening. But um, um, I guess I'll start out with uh, verse one. Um, this event is something that happened to me when I was around, uh, I must have been 12 years old. I remember specifically I was in seventh grade. Um, I know that um, I know that because uh, it has to do with uh, me being in the middle school band. Um, so the middle school that I went to is three grades, three grades, um, six, seven, and eight. And, um, and uh, my sixth grade year, I started learning the clarinet. Um, I don't know why I was learning the clarinet. I distinctly remember telling my parents that I wanted to learn trumpet uh, when I was really young. Um, and my mom, being a musician herself, decided to put me into piano lessons um, because she thought it would be more versatile, and she was right. Uh, I, I have used piano much more than I would have used uh, trumpet. Um, but um, but when it came time for me to, to pick up an instrument in middle school, I didn't go with the trumpet for whatever reason. I decided to go with the clarinet, so uh, I started learning clarinet. Um, in my seventh grade year... Um, I was blessed with the opportunity to, to be in the, the varsity band for that middle school. Um, we called it the honor band. And, um, and uh, I was, uh, so I was playing clarinet in that band my seventh grade year. And um, one day, I don't remember what, this must have been maybe in the winter or um, perhaps the beginning, of, uh, the beginning of the new year kind of thing, time frame, but um, there was a guy. Uh, a guy that I, I didn't know, but I had seen every day. You know, we were in the same band together. We crossed paths all the time. Um, he was friends with a lot of the other people that I happened to be friends with. And he played saxophone in that band. He was one grade above me, so I was in seventh. He was in eighth grade. And uh, his name was Daniel. And um, one day, we were rehearsing a piece, as we always do. And, um, and uh, I distinctly remember that... Um, I was, uh, I was playing along, uh, watching the conductor as I'm supposed to do, and I remember that um, the way that that, that run-through of the piece that we were doing, uh, usually we wait till the conductor, your director, cuts, cuts you off, and everybody cuts off at the same time, ideally. Um, that didn't happen um, this time. I remember... Distinctly, it was a really slow fizzling out. Uh, instruments one at a time. People were dropping out, and when I when I caught wind that um, that people were dropping out, I, I saw my conductor. His baton just kind of fell down. It wasn't any um, it wasn't any strong cutoff or anything like that. But 
Um, everyone's eyes were directed toward uh, a couple of seats to my left. Uh, in the same row that I was in was where Daniel was, and um, and he he was just his, he was just head thrown back over the chair that he was sitting in, um, and a saxophone down at his side, um, and uh, nothing. And um, you know the the song goes into a little bit more detail about the particular imagery of that moment, but um, but he died, you know. I don't know why he died to this moment. I, I know that there was likely an autopsy done. I was never made aware of that, but um, but but he just died. You know, one moment he was here, he was playing. He was a very talented young man. Um, you know, he was one of the, really, he was one of the most gifted students um, of his age uh, in, in the United States, likely in the world. You know, uh, he had... Uh, near perfect grades. Uh, I specifically remember hearing that he had a really um, prestigious uh, kind of um, doctor, like a medical doctor program scholarship um, already set up, and he was in eighth grade, you know. Um, but anyway, so he passed away in a moment um, with no no reason, as far as I know. And uh, the rest of that verse one is me not uh, moving forward in time a bit to. Uh, participating in his memorial service where I distinctly remember one of the things that um, bothered me so much about that moment wasn't the fact that he was dead. Um, it was the fact that I I wasn't able to cry. Um, I remember very specifically, it was the first time in my life that I could recall that I didn't respond with tears to something uh, grieving um, and it really bothered me. I mean, I, at first I just, I, I, I played it off like, oh, you know, um, I just shock or, um, you know, it's not, I didn't know him. So there's no reason for me to be particularly sad. You know, um, if, if he was a friend of mine, I'm sure I would cry. And, you know, even though my mom, uh, attended the memorial service with me and she, knew Daniel even less than I did and she was bawling her eyes out. I didn't, I didn't compute. Um, and there was another instance, I wanted to write this into the song, but I just, I didn't have enough um, space to put it in. But I remember distinctly as I was looking at Daniel's saxophone case, which was opened with a picture of him um, next to it, um, outside of the, the main hall, um, there was a Another colleague of mine, I wouldn't say a friend, I mean, to some extent, he, I would even consider him a bully. He was a, um, a kid that made fun of me a lot, um, or at least to my recollection he did. And um, I remember him crying, and I thought it was so utterly ironic because um, me having been a victim of this guy's, um, you know, bullying and stuff, um, I've always considered him to be insensitive. You know, I was responding um, with sensitivity to what he was doing. But then when someone died, he's now in tears, crying like a little baby, and, and I'm the robot. You know, I'm the cold-hearted um, cold one. So anyway, that's, that's what I'll say for verse one. Um, obviously, it, that experience is not something that most children go through, um, as far as I know. Um, it was a traumatic moment for sure. Um, but really, 
I think one of the most important things it taught me was it was that I was uh, weak in in this area. Um, whereas a lot of people are gifted with great empathy and um, have a high emotional intelligence. Um, you know, that's something that I have to work on. Um, it doesn't come natural to me at all. Um, so uh, that's something that I learned. Another thing that was really critical and it has really has affected my, my life now and how I think is that life is not guaranteed. You know, um, Daniel had no reason to die. There was, um, you know, he didn't get, he didn't even get hit by a car or, you know, some horrendous accident. Um, he just passed away for, for whatever reason. And, um, and that could happen to me. That could happen to you. It could happen to any of us, and it has happened to some of us, you know. Um, I think sometimes we get into the unfortunate um, cycle of thinking that we have time to fix things, thinking we have time to remedy things or, or change. Um, and God is patient. You know, we do have time, but um, we don't know how much time. It could be a few seconds. It could be years, um, but I, I can't. I can't in my right I can't in my right mind think that I have to the age of 80 or 90 to get my life in order or to do what I want to do with my time. Um, I have to focus on doing it now, whether it's uh, loving people, whether it's actively participating in my own sanctification, um, becoming conformed to the image of Christ like God has asked me to be, uh, or or pursuing talents and dreams that God has gifted me with to please him and make him known. I don't have time. I don't, I don't have time to waste. Uh, I wish I thought like that every moment. I, I can't say, like I said earlier in the main episode, I'm a hypocrite to everything I teach, um, everything that God has taught me. Uh, you know, I'm, I, 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 I don't, uh, live like that all the time, but, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to live like that. Um, so uh, and then in verse two, um, it's explaining um, when I first, so I skipped a few years actually. Um, so that was when I was in seventh grade, that last event that we talked about. And the next event, verse two, is uh, me um, describing uh, an open mic night that I participated in at my freshman year in college. So it's like uh, we're talking maybe. Uh, six years, maybe five or six years ahead of, uh, uh, skipping time. And, um, one thing that, um, in high school, you know, I, I was really into music. Of course, I was studying music, uh, in a lot of different ways. And, uh, one of the things that I was doing was that I was, uh, leading and, uh, arranging music for a, an acapella group. Um, I was really into acapella in high school. I led an all men's group, eight guys. We call ourselves Octet Effect. It was a really um, great experience for me. We had a lot of fun making music together. It was all really on our own. We didn't, we weren't sponsored or guided by any um, any school faculty or anything like that. But um, one interesting skill that I picked up during that process was the ability to beatbox. Um, for those of you who don't know, beatboxing is essentially uh, imitating a drum set or percussion sounds uh, with only your mouth. And uh, that was a, a critical part of making up acapella music. Uh, back then, you had to have a beatboxer. They were all the rage. And uh, none of my guys knew how to do it. Um, so I decided that I would learn how to do it. And um, 
So uh, that skill um, got me into an open mic night uh, at my local church ministry, which uh, I did not want to do, by the way. My friends learned that I had that ability because I'd posted a a short Facebook video uh, of me performing an impromptu routine in my dorm room. Uh, They peer pressured me into performing at that open mic night and it really wasn't that great. I look back at the video now and it's like, ugh, I, I, I you know, I became a lot better than that. But, uh, but it was, it was a hit and, um, and I ended up getting thrust into the hip hop realm, uh, because of it. Um, I, I met uh, a guy that night, uh, his name was Princeton Marcellus and, um, and he was interested in what I was doing and, um, and so he, he allowed me to tag along to some of his shows around uh, the North Texas area and uh, even doing a little bit of uh, touring up north uh, for uh, festivals and stuff. And uh, that changed my entire life. Um, before that, I, I knew what hip-hop was. I, I was a fan of it because I was a fan of every music genre um, at that time, but I was no real expert, no real... Um, I had no real interest in hip hop. I hadn't in the past, uh, but after that night, um, hip hop became my bread and butter. Um, it, it became a, a, a huge part of everything that I ended up doing after that, and uh, and it you know it all culminates to me writing hip hop music um, for myself for you to hear, like you like you just did in the previous episode. Um, I couldn't have done that five years ago. Um, but after that night, everything changed. Uh, another thing that that moment taught me was that um, that I had gifts that uh, could wow the world and impact people. And uh, I felt like uh, after that moment, I thought it was critical for me to um, not squander that, but use that to um, bring the light of Christ to everyone who um, who I come across. And the last one that I'll talk about uh, for now is uh, the fourth verse, which begins, but forget all that studio days here. Um, so I, the third verse ends with me on a pretty somber, um, sad note, uh, dealing with heartbreak and um, learning that I'm ill and stuff like that. Uh, verse four begins with me in the beginning of my Uh, what would be my junior year of college. Um, I had skipped a semester because I fell ill with Lyme disease that I mentioned earlier. And, uh, but I decided to come back. I didn't know what I had at that time. Um, see, I didn't get a diagnosis of Lyme till many years after that. But, but, um, I, I thought that I had learned my, um, disability enough to be able to live somewhat of a normal life, um, and be able to do some amount of routine. So I decided uh, at the end of that summer to go back to school because um, an old friend of mine, uh, a guy named Tosh, he uh, he invited me back to help co-create um, an album with his uh, funk band. It was a 14, 15 piece funk band um, that he had created. Uh, it was comprised of 
mostly jazz students um, at UNT. For those of you who don't know, uh, UNT's jazz program is world-renowned, and uh, most of the students coming out of that program end up being some of the best musicians uh, in the entire world. And uh, I, <laughs> I personally was never good enough uh, to ever make that program, maybe one day, but... Um, but yeah, so it was, um, you know, with if anybody who knows me knows that uh, anytime a big project or something exciting, something um, that seems like a huge endeavor, uh, risky and stuff like that, that's all very exciting for me. Um, so that was enough to convince me to return back to UNT, even though I was ill, um, to to try to make this album work. And it did work. Um, it the end was a little messy, but, um, but, uh, but, but that whole process, again, it was a huge uh, life-changing uh, event, uh, an opportunity that really fell into my lap. I didn't, I didn't do anything to earn it. It was just, um, just a good connection, a, a friendship that I had that ended up, um, blossoming into something exciting and new and interesting. And, uh, so the verse, that verse is, um, dedicated on painting the picture of, um, glory, because that's how I felt when we went into the studio and everything came into place. And, um, you know, the studio day wasn't perfect, uh, that's for sure, but, but it was everything really, I mean, we had spent, me and the band had spent months writing and Tosh had arranged everything and, uh, spent a ton of time and money to, to make all of this happen. And, and it all came together. And, uh, there were some guest features that I was really honored to have guys that, uh, continue to inspire me today that uh, blows my mind that I, I even get a chance to know them and uh, call them friend but but um, anyway it all came it all came together but the moment after the album came out uh, a couple months later um, I I felt like my world fell apart I realize now I didn't know it at the time but I realize now that I had huge expectations that didn't get fulfilled. Uh, in this album, I had expectations that this album would uh, launch my career, that it would um, that it would be considered a work of genius or a game-changing uh, piece of art that totally um, just um, threw the entire Christian hip hop market into whack. You know, something like that. You know, that just uh, I would become the talk of the town, that kind of thing. None of that happened. Um, the album came out. A few people purchased it. Um, and like when I say a few, I mean like literally like between three and five people purchased it. You know, we spent uh, upwards of ten thousand dollars and and hundreds upon thousands of hours putting this thing together, and um, it felt like nobody nobody even knew about it. And uh, now I'm not sure that that's true entirely. You know, I'm learning now that God can do amazing things we don't even see. Um, and even if even if nobody is impacted by everything that me and those guys put together, um, just the act of, you know, the act of me being, um, hopefully faithful with the gifts that God has given me for his glory, I hope will be well rewarded in the future, if not now. Um, now that seems to me like a very mature way to see it now because I've been separated from the, the instance for years at this point, but at the time, I just fell into incredible depression, suicidal depression, which is what leads us into verse five. Um, and I won't, I won't discuss five. I'll leave that um, for you to discover if you're interested. But um, 
but yeah, so that's what happened. I mean, I, I did all this. This album, by the way, is Response. Um, it's uh, it was eclectic. Uh, it was fusion. Every track on there was some fusion of some uh, you know conglomeration of genres, and it really is a testament to who I am because um, you know I I've never been one to um, stick to one genre, whether that's to my detriment or or to my betterment. I don't know, but but um, it really is. I mean, it, it's. I'm developing more and more as a musician, but Response is really a great portrait of the way that I think and, and the way that I write music and what I uh, enjoy and what I find beautiful. Um, so I'm not I'm not ashamed of it uh, in the slightest, but um, but at the time it did lead me. The expectations that I had for the album left me down a really destructive path, and uh, so anyway, um, you know, at this point uh, in this episode, I would also discuss more about, um, you know, the topic, you know, dig into some scriptures and that kind of thing, maybe pull up some questions that you guys may have sent me. Uh, we can't do that for this episode cause I'm just talking about who I am and stuff. Um, but, um, but I, th- I think it's a good place to leave. Uh, I hope that, um, I've perhaps inspired, uh, you to continue to listen, um, continue to keep track of, of what we talk about on the show. And um, I also want to put out there that uh, I, I don't want to do all of this work myself. <laughs> I'm a good administrator. Um, I don't like to do all the work myself. I know how to delegate. That's a joke, a very dry one. But um, I will say that um, I am very interested in collaboration, and I am interested in um, getting other people's voices on this show in the, in the way of poetry and music um, and anything else that we may end up adding to the show artistically. Um, so if you're a believer, if you, um, if you, if you want to share uh, some words that God's inspired you with, um, if you want to share your gift that God's blessed you with, um, send me some stuff. You can send me an email at fanny at cgmradio.com. And uh, any work that you may have, music, poetry, dance, uh, if you're a dancer or a choreographer or a painter, or, I mean, this is mostly an audio um, audio, um, vehicle, but, but, um, I mean, who knows? We, we can, I'm definitely open to moving to bigger and better things in the future. So whether that's some sort of YouTube channel or, uh, you know, something even bigger, I can't even think of that's very possible. But, um, if you're an artist and you're a believer, let's hook up, let's, let's connect. Um, let's, uh, let's talk. Uh, I want to, it's always a pleasure for me to meet other creative minded people and, um, and for us to share and, and build each other up, really sharpen each other's skills. You know, that's, uh, one of the the greatest parts of my journey, um, was that, um, I met a lot of people, people that really inspired me, people that were way better at a certain skill or art than I was, uh, that I wanted to be good at. And so every day I, I, I look at them and their work that, and, and hopefully that inspires me and educates me how to be better and uh, sharpen what God's given me into something um, even greater. So anyway, um, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been Behind the Price. Uh, again, uh, we'll leave uh, a show notes document um, that's got you know lyrics for the song, lyrics for the poetry, and uh, any other pertinent information. And uh, that will be a good resource for, for the future as well. You know, if I... If I ever reference papers or books or um, Bible verses or any of that, uh, hopefully I'll be smart enough to put all that 
in the uh, those documents for you guys to reference. Um, but uh, anyway, remember um, to uh, to memorize uh, John ten ten. I think it was uh, that I asked. I commissioned everyone to memorize for this this week's episode and read the passages in John and in Matthew. Uh, for the next episode, we'll be talking about eternal life. That's a little sneak peek. What is eternal life? And uh, what you have been told may be wrong. Uh, I'll just say it like that. But uh, anyway, yeah, uh, I love you guys. Um, I can't wait to share more with you.